0: So if you are just joining us this morning, you are joining at a great time because we're just beginning this not-a-fan study, and I've been so pleased hearing some of the reports coming back from people meeting in community groups, people telling me that the book has been great, reading it and being challenged. And somebody in the last service said, my goodness, the, the prayer journal has really been Important to me as I've walked through this. So it's just wonderful to see us beginning this. We said last week that the whole purpose of this study is for us to have a DTR with God, right? And we defined DTR as to define the relationship. To be able to listen to God and let him tell us, this is how I've always wanted to define our relationship together. Jesus did this frequently in his ministry where he paused and said, this is what the relationship should be. And that's a healthy thing for us to do on a periodic basis. Uh, And we said the question that we're gonna pose throughout the series to frame it is just what we heard in the video. Are you a fan or a follower? Jesus made no category for those who would say, I just want to be an enthusiastic admirer. There really is no category for somebody who says, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a disciple. You see, Jesus said, you're a follower of me, or you're not. And that's what we're talking about in this series, and we introduce this verse that I hope you might even consider memorizing with us. It's this verse, Luke nine twenty-three. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Today, we're going to spend some time on this verse, and we're particularly going to focus on this word right here anyone. This word, anyone, is a challenging word because when you put this thing into play, it brings about some interesting implications. It's also uh, an incredible opportunity because when you say anyone, it means anyone can go on this adventure with Jesus. And so, let's talk about that. Uh, Before we do, though, let's take a moment to pause and pray. Father, as we turn to your word, we would ask that you would open our hearts and help us to become ever more devoted as a follower to you. So speak now, your servants are listening. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's talk about this little word, anyone. If Jesus really meant anyone, one of the implications of that is simply that anyone is welcome. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've actually been talking about this verse uh, out of Matthew 4.19 that shapes our mission as a church. Jesus is walking uh, by the Sea of Galilee, and he extends an invitation to these men, to Peter and Andrew, and he says this, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. This is where we get centered, shaped, and sent. And they, uh, what do they do? They drop their nets, they immediately follow him. Now, isn't that just a little bit somewhat bizarre? They, sometimes we read the scriptures, and we don't actually pause to realize what it just said. Jesus says, come follow me, and they drop their nets, and they follow him. Now, isn't it a bit strange that you've never, maybe you've thought about this, but that they stopped... They left their profession, they left their families, to go after Jesus. Now, this not only happens with Peter and Andrew, this happens with all the disciples that Jesus calls. Seems bizarre, right? Well, it's bizarre until you begin to put it a little bit more into the historical context. Then it may not seem as strange as it really might seem at first. To understand this, you gotta remember, Jesus was a rabbi. The rabbis at the time were the most respected people in all of Israel's society. There were no universities. The rabbis were the university. They were the PhDs of the time, and they were well-respected. And every rabbi had a group of students that they called Talmid. Talmid translates into the word disciple or apprentice. And to be a Talmud, to be a disciple of a rabbi, was very prestigious. It was a, a limited group of people, and the rabbi had to be very selective in who he chose for a couple reasons. Because that, those students, would reflect who their teacher was, right? And more than that, those students would be expected one day to go on and do what their teacher did. To go and take what the the rabbis would call their yoke and then pass that on to future generations. So they had to be selective in who they would bring along. And so those students who would want to be with a particular rabbi would go through an extensive process. They, They would go through this grueling process. Sometimes the rabbi, they would come to the rabbi and the rabbi would say to them, wonderful. Go and memorize the first five books of the Bible and then come talk to me. And then, then they would come back and he would ask a question of something like, well tell me how many times the word Yahweh appears in chapter five of Leviticus? You see, this is why there weren't many people who actually became followers at the time. Uh, because the standards were so high. This is far more than simply having a 4.0 GPA in impeccable references. Uh, this, is, this is, it was huge. Um, So for the reason that most people don't go on to a doctorate today, uh, there were not many people at the time who went on to go and study with rabbis, either because they didn't make the cut or because the circumstances of life kept them from following after a rabbi. And those who didn't follow after a rabbi would go and participate in a family trade. They would become a stonemason or a farmer a carpenter, or a fisherman. So when Jesus sees these guys, what are they doing? They're fishing. And if they're fishing, what does that tell us? Peter and Andrew didn't make the cut. You see, they had been passed over. They were the not good enoughs. And then Jesus comes up to them and he says two words that changes their lives. Two words that has continued to change people's lives throughout history. It's these two wonderful words. Follow me. Follow me. And because they knew he was a respected rabbi, because the culture said, this is an incredible opportunity, you should go follow this guy. It's gonna change your life. It's like hitting the lottery, right? They drop everything and they follow after Jesus because they knew the incredible opportunity that it would be. You know, let me pause here because I think it's important just to name this. You ever feel in your life like, somehow life has passed you by? That you've got great gifts? You, you've always wanted to do something, but somehow nobody has recognized it in you? Maybe you feel the door is shut? I want you to hear those words, follow me. But before we jump ahead, it's important to ask, you know, it's one thing to picture this idea of a fisherman coming along. But what about, does Jesus really mean anyone? I mean, what about somebody who's really messed up in life? Somebody who's made huge mistakes, right, public mistakes. What about that? Well, let's go actually to the verse prior to this. Let's go back one. Hear this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Now, I'm gonna have us pause here because this is really important for us to understand, understand the context of what we're talking about here uh, to, to understand all the implications. Matthew's job as a tax collector was to take people's money and give it to the enemy. So he would sit at a booth, he would collect money, and then he would give it to the occupying, invading Roman army. So obviously, he was really popular with people, okay? The the Romans were hated, and here he is colluding with them. And how did the tax collectors make their money? They took a little extra on top. And oftentimes, they didn't just take a little extra. The Romans didn't care, as long as they got their cut. So they would take Extra in line their pockets. Now, even if Matthew was a bit more of an honest, honest tax collector, historically speaking, by the way, that didn't happen, people would have hated him nonetheless because he's affiliated with Rome. He's betrayed his own people. Now, here. (laughs) Here he is sitting in this tax collecting booth Um, and because of this, what would have happened is he would have been considered unclean. If you've read any of your Old Testament, you recognize there's something really terrible with this, which means you cannot associate with the people of God. You are outside the camp. So he was not even allowed to go in the outer temple courts. His name would have been scratched off the membership. He's shamed, and he's outside of his people. Now the other gospels tell us that actually his name was not Matthew. His given name was what, do you know? Levi. Okay, Levi is a name that hearkens back that he is in the tribe of, the, of Levi. The tribe that God said, you and your descendants will be priests that will serve in the temple. So his parents named him Levi, why? because we want you to know that you are to grow up to serve in the temple. You, like your father and your grandfather and his grandfather before you, you, son, will grow up to serve in the temple. But we don't find Levi in the temple, right? We find Matthew in the tax collecting book, or booth, something happened. Something terrible must have happened for him to be in that booth. And now, Matthew's so ashamed that he's not even using his given name. He knows that he's failed so much that he can't even call himself Levi anymore because it reminds him of how far he's fallen away from what he should be doing. So he's adopted this name of Matthew. We don't know what initial mistake that he made but it had to be huge. It had to be big enough that he would leave and betray his family to just say, forget it. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm gonna withdraw because what good is it for me at all? Now again, let me pause here because some of you are understanding exactly what this feels like. Whether you've ever told somebody about this or not, deep down in your heart, there's a part of you that says, I am a failure. And you know because you have messed up somehow, and maybe it was in a public way, and there's a part of you that says, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough, and you know, I made a big mistake. So I want you particularly to hear this all the more beautiful two words that Jesus then says to Matthew. Let's go back to that Matthew 9-9 slide. He says this, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. Do you see the power in this? That somehow a guy who absolutely was cut off from his people, a tax collector, it's one thing to invite fishermen, but a tax collector? Are you kidding me? But it's exactly what Jesus did. He invites, G, or he invites Matthew to come along to be in his Talmud, to be his disciple. And of course, what does Matthew do? He drops everything. What an incredible opportunity, what an, I'm sure that later on he probably even had a discussion with, now you know who I am, right? Yes, yes, and he probably called him Levi. Yes, Levi, I know who you are. You see, when Jesus said anyone, if anyone, would, he meant anyone can come after him. And that has serious implications for how we are to act as the church. You see, if Jesus meant anyone, that means anyone then for all of us here in the church, that means we are to invite everyone. Everyone is welcome to be a part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, there were two different categories of people who reacted to Jesus and what he was doing. There was the one category who were delighted and there was another category of people who were disgusted. Now, you can imagine that the people who were delighted were the ones who lost any thought that they could ever be a part of a follower of a rabbi. They had thought the life had passed them by, right? They gave up this dream a long time ago. But suddenly you see, wait a minute. Hey, if God could invite people like Matthew, I mean Matthew, and then suddenly, hey, Maybe I can go too. Those were the people who delighted in this. Then there were the people who were a bit more disgusted by it. They were the ones who said, What is this Jesus guy doing? Doesn't he know that Matthew is a sinner? Doesn't he know? That the system isn't just to invite people like this. There's this extensive application process you must go through. At very least, make the guy clean up his life first, make him prove to you, but that's not what he does. Doesn't this guy, I've been good. I've been good. Why doesn't he choose me? Well, he did. But somehow they didn't like the whole idea that Jesus was ruining the whole system, they were disgusted. Now, before we say, uh, I think that clearly I'm in the first group, Pastor, right? I think we ought to pause there, uh, actually, and ask a few questions. Do we, like Jesus, really welcome anyone to come and visit and be a part of our church? And do we make them feel welcome in such a way that, that they can come close enough here in our community to feel the love of Christ without immediately feeling judged? Let me make this uh, a little bit more uh, real. <laughs> I had a professor a while ago, uh, and I'm in his class, Jim Singleton. He is one of the, um, he was at the time the pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Colorado Springs. Big, big, 5,000-member church. And he tells me um, and the class. There was a young man who came into the church, and he was wearing a baseball hat. Now, this church is a little more formal than our church, and he walks in, and the usher says to him, son, before you go in the sanctuary, you need to take off your hat. And so, this young guy said, I don't wanna take off my hat. To the usher, he was being disrespectful to this young man, he didn't want to be disrespectful because he hadn't washed his hair that morning. You see, if you can point out to me anywhere in the scriptures where it says you can't wear a baseball hat into a worship service, we'll have a discussion. Okay, but that's not what was going on here. They had created a certain standard that wasn't there and Jesus said, anyone, that means we must welcome everyone even when it makes us feel uncomfortable. And you know what happened? Behind the scenes is this young man had been told, hey, come to church. His girlfriend had been witnessing to him for quite a while and all it took was one person. One person and this young man said, see, they're all judgmental and I'm not coming back. But Jesus says if we're gonna be a community that says anyone, we have to welcome people so that they can come and have a space to check out Jesus. Uh, I'll make it even more uh, specific to me. When I was a Young Life leader, I used to get critiqued every once in a while because outside of our club, club was the outreach event that we would have, is occasionally there'd be kids out there smoking cigarettes. Now someone would say to me, how dare you let those kids smoke cigarettes? I was like, my whole thing is not to get them to stop smoking, it's to get them to come to Jesus. And once they come to Jesus, then let's talk about the smoking thing. See, because if I go after the smoking thing, I may never get them to come to Jesus. You see? The technical way to talk about this is let's talk about somebody's justification first before their sanctification. When you flip those two around, you really have a problem. Jesus didn't tell Matthew, fix your life first and then come to me. He said, follow me. Broken and sinful and just as you are, and Matthew, as you follow me and figure out who I am, you, you, then I will sanctify you. And sometimes we in the church we get this wrong, and we turn away people. And more and more, the world is becoming such different than where we are. We cannot set standards that are different. I'll give you one more. Um, in the church I just served in California, there was a woman who came to church with a dog She didn't know you don't bring dogs. And it's not talking a seeing eye dog, okay? It was just, it was like Paris Hilton kind of dog, right? And then she brings this thing in, and the ushers come to me, and they go, Pastor, what do we do? And I said, well, you know what? I'm glad she's here. She must not know that we don't typically bring dogs to church. And we chose right there, we're not going to tell her no, because we just want, we're afraid that she would stop coming. And so we said, we're going to change who we are, because it says nothing about dogs in scripture, okay, let's let her come. And you know what happened? Is after a few weeks, she said, you know what? Most of you guys aren't bringing dogs to church, are you? (laughs) See, she got it. But if we had told her day one, stop it, clean your life up, stop bringing a dog to church, okay? We can fight the dog battle and miss the Jesus battle. And we need to be a church that says, I'm not gonna tell you, you can't come because of X, Y, Z. They need to come to Jesus and find out who Jesus is first. So we have to create a space. And this is challenging as a church, isn't it? We have to create a space where we say we don't compromise who we are. We uphold the scriptures, we live into the scriptures, okay? But we have to create a space that's judgment free, For them to come around and say, just check out Jesus. And then sooner or later, we're going to ask you to join who we are. And when they come fully in, then we could talk about their sanctification, right? But we have to create that space. And it's not always easy because you know what happens? Is you're going to find people coming in that don't dress like we do. You're going to find people who don't listen to the same music we do. You're going to find people who struggle with things that are, make us uncomfortable and, and still are struggling with them. But still, Jesus says, anyone, and that, that, that means everyone, until they begin to see Jesus and then let him work out their sanctification. All right, that leads us to a third point, All right. Jesus really does mean anyone, and that means we as the church must invite everyone, but if there are no qualifications to follow Jesus, it means there's also no excuses not to follow him. Previously, people would have had an opportunity to say, well, I can't because Jesus says, I'm taking away every opportunity for you to say no. So I want you to imagine this, okay? I want you to imagine you're 18 again. Now, I know for a few of you, and I'm looking at you, okay, uh, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. Okay, but <laughs> I want you to, to just harken back a little, and it's a stretch for me, too. Uh, I want you, you go to your mailbox. In your mailbox, there is a letter from an Ivy League school. And you open this letter, and in the letter, it says, you have been given a full ride A full ride to come to this school. Not only that, but a full stipend. We're going to pay you to come to school with us, right? And you're going, this is a mistake. Because you know your GPA was never good enough to get in that school. So you call up the university and they say, no, no, no. Actually, this is exactly right. We want you to come and study with us. Well, suddenly this gets you a little bit nervous because you realize, hey, this is going to mean some work. I, maybe you've never studied at that level before. But you would be nuts to not take the opportunity, right? Somebody wants to give you this incredible opportunity for this education. And so people, why would we ever turn down an even better opportunity to follow after Jesus Christ? You have been given a full ride to Jesus University. All right? All right. And he is inviting us to come along and to follow him. Those same two words that he spoke to Andrew and Peter and even to Matthew, he now speaks to you and me. And there's no excuses now. We're all invited. No longer can we say, "Um, no, no, see, this is really only for super-Christians. Every once in a while, as a pastor, somebody will tell me this. Well, you know, I'm okay. I just, on, I just want to be a Christian. Now, they don't tell me in these words, but this is really what they're saying. I just want to be a Christian. I'm not sure I want to be a disciple. You see, and, and in their minds, a, a disciple is somebody who is a pastor, a missionary, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, on church staff. But Jesus left, there is no category that is, I'm just a Christian. That's a fan. Jesus said you're a devoted follower, or you're not. This is, there's a category, come follow me. You can't audit Jesus, right? It's it, you're in the program. Then, the other excuse Jesus just took away was what we just talk about. Every once in a while someone would say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But you know what? If Jesus can invite Matthew to come along, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter when you did it. Jesus is saying, I can redeem anything that you have done in your life. You can take whatever it was, and Jesus can redeem this. Here, let's take a look at Brian and his video.
1: Years ago. Got out of jail, got down on my hands and knees, and I gave my life to Christ. I asked him to forgive me for my sins and to take this yoke off my neck. I had an addiction problem that led to me to being homeless. And I sat in church for two years, uh, reading the Bible, going to church, hanging in there, and then after two years, I felt the Lord prompt me, the Holy Spirit prompt me to get up and to start serving. And we, we started doing a food ministry here at Bay. Started down at St. Malachi's. And we did a food ministry down there. It was supposed to be once a month and we started it for every Saturday. We raised money and uh, it's been going for 13 years now. And lives are changing down there. Uh, families are coming together. Kids are going to church. People are giving their life to Christ. And so I, these guys and girls don't have a second chance to get a job. They're always stuck at that plateau that they can't go any further. And the Lord put in my heart to open up a company to help brothers and sisters to have a second chance in life. And my wife thought I was crazy. I'm 50, she was 51, and I just, I quit my job to open up a company. So I hired a homeless. I hired a mentally ill. I hired people that are felons. And these people that I hire are people I've been walking with for the last 13 years. So I know what kind of person they are. I know what they want to do. I know how they want to work, and I know they want a second chance. And these guys come in, and these girls come in, and they work. Because what I told them is, this this is your company. This is your place. What you do with it, it's up to you. Because I could go back to work and work for the guy, you know, make my money, but I wanted to come out here and help because the Lord prompted me because this is what people need a chance. It's a second chance in life just like I got a second chance. I never graduated from high school. I cleaned toilets and here I was at a company making seventy-something thousand a year and I just quit it to start this because the Lord prompted me. So it's all about getting out there and doing it. And when you have this peace beyond all understanding and what I mean by that is I have no fear because This peace in my heart, I don't worry about Like it says in the Bible, if you believe in me and you have faith, I will clothe you, I will feed you, I will shelter you. So waking up, I don't have to worry about the bills being paid or what's gonna go on here or what I'm gonna do next is because the Lord has it. All I have to do is go out there and serve and come out there with a heart of faith and gratitude and that peace beyond understanding doesn't make me worry, because worry says I don't trust you. And I trust him with all my heart and soul, because he saved my life. I'm Brian Jurek, and I'm not a fan.
0: I love Brian, and he has a tremendous, tremendous testimony. Did you catch the little bit at the beginning, though, where he said... I sat in church for two years. You see, there was a space there, and this is one of the things I think is so beautiful about our church, is that while he was still trying to figure things out, there was a space created there where the Holy Spirit did some deep things in his life. And I I wanna say that he had mentioned, Brian has a PhD in Jesus. I mean, it's just beautiful, right? What God can do to somebody with a surrendered heart you realize that Matthew, we don't think about Matthew anymore as the tax collector, do we? When we think about Matthew, we think about the guy who wrote the gospel, who went on to follow Jesus and, and became something beautiful. But there's something interesting that, then why did he name his gospel? Why is the gospel called Matthew? Why, did, why, isn't, why isn't it Levi? See, because he restored him, right? And I believe the reason that he did this was particularly because he wanted you to know today that if you feel like you are a Matthew, if you feel like you have lost any opportunity to follow after Jesus, that you feel disqualified for some reason. Matthew wanted you to know that if there is an opportunity for Jesus to take someone like me, he can do the same for you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. There are two words that Jesus wants to say to you that will change your life. Follow me. When you hear those words from a rabbi, the natural, the, the response we must have is to drop everything and to follow him. May that be your response today and the next day going forward and following your rabbi Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we are so grateful that you have never given up on us. We thank you that even though your people had strayed many, many times over history, that you never gave up on them. And thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us now. Father, I want to pray especially for the person who is here and maybe hearing this for the first time, whether here or online. And they are saying, I'm not sure that I believe that. I'm not sure that I've ever experienced love and compassion and forgiveness that allows me to follow. I pray that you, Lord Spirit, would work in their hearts and let them know in an overwhelming way that you see something beautiful in them because you are the one who created them and you are the one who could redeem whatever they've been through, whatever brokenness, whatever ugliness, whatever sin. Jesus, thank you that you still call us. And Spirit, we need your help to follow. Help us to be devoted followers. Help us to drop everything, whatever it is in your life right now that is encumbering you. Just imagine yourself now dropping it before Jesus and following him. And if that seems impossible to you, pray for the help. Pray for God's help to, have, to let you drop it because God wants you. God, I know you want us all to be free and unencumbered. So work in our lives, Lord Spirit. Help us to be a church that follows you fully. And we just ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.